0: Welcome back to Create Space, a podcast that finds joy in the art of storytelling. I have had a couple of interviews that I actually recorded over the summer, and I've just kind of been sitting on them and I haven't had a chance to get them edited. So, last week's episode and this week's episode, I am finally getting a chance to publish these awesome episodes that, um, again, I recorded over the summer. So, life just got Kind of busy, and you know, I haven't really been able to maintain the podcast to the consistency that I did during the spring semester. And I'm not entirely sure why all of that is, but but I'm okay with that for now. To be honest with you, you know, I'm doing what I can, and I'm trying to find little ways to optimize and streamline my workflow and um, focus on time management and all of those things, so that maybe I can be a bit more consistent. But at the same time, I'm also just trying to be grateful for every single moment that I have to work on this podcast because it really is a creative outlet for me that brings so much joy to my life. I, I love being a part of Create Space. So, today for our episode, I would like to introduce you to one of my colleagues named Eric Wilson. He is on faculty with me here in the Elliott School. And I asked him here to talk with me about self-care for communicators. Now we get into a lot of different things on this episode, but for me, what it all kind of comes down to is being true and honest to who you are and taking the time to give yourself what you know that you need, regardless of the external pressures that might exist. So let's get into the show. All right. Welcome to the show, Eric Wilson. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for taking some time out of your summer to come talk to me.
1: I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Jessica.
0: Absolutely. So, Eric, for those of you that don't know, is a faculty member here at the Elliott School. You have been for, what, about 15 years? Is that right?
1: Almost 15.
0: Almost 15. Yeah. And... I'm going to have you explain kind of what you teach, but but it's really across the board. I mean, you've got some intro communication classes, some integrated marketing communication, and also some journalism, right? Um, so can you tell us a little bit about kind of your background in communication and how that's led you over the past 15 years to where you are?
1: Sure. Sure. I was an IMC, Integrated Marketing Communication major, uh, here at the Elliott School, mm-hmm. and I always wanted to, to do public relations, and I went right into grad school, got a master's, uh, learned how to teach public speaking, and got to adjuncts, uh, did a public relations, kind of my dream PR internship at Southwest Airlines in Dallas while I was in grad school, and came back my last semester of grad school, happened to graduate in December, and uh, the job market was pretty good at the time. And it, it's kind of a cool story. I was sitting in in, in one of our classes uh, down in our big windowless classroom that we all hate mm-hmm. uh, being in because it doesn't have any windows, but I sat near the back and I had a friend who was a little bit ahead of me in school, and she was uh, had interned and gotten a full-time job at one of the big ad agencies. Yeah, And so I emailed her and didn't hear anything back, and I thought, well, that was weird. But a few days later, I got an email from a person I didn't know, who turns out was one of the co-CEOs at Sullivan Higdon Sync, now Signal Theory. Right, And he invited me to lunch and to chat, and we started talking, and uh, I had just come off the Southwest internship and their culture at SHS at the time was similar they were focusing on being a great place to work and kind of small world this guy's daughter had gone to KU and uh, her best friend, turns out, was the person who had onboarded me through the internship at Southwest. So just oh, wow. of all the gin joints. Yeah. Uh, and now she's the VP of HR at Southwest. So that's kind of cool to watch Whoa. her her journey has, watch how her journey's unfolded. But anyway, I uh, did advertising, learned project management. I, I've always been passionate about aviation mm-hmm. and got to do m- more on the advertising marketing project management side. Not as much PR but loved it and continued to stay connected through the Elliott School, I just loved the culture. Uh, I adjuncted, I would help judge our contests and, and things you know, throughout, the, throughout the time. Uh, worked at SHS for a few years, uh, learned a lot. Uh, and then, you know, as sometimes happens in advertising, we lost to big accounts and like 30, 35 percent of us got let go in one day. Jeez. And that was, you know, it was certainly a really challenging time. But in in hindsight, it, it was a blessing. Uh, I What I was doing was very stressful and I enjoyed it and I learned a lot, but I don't think it was a great long term yeah. fit. So, um Got laid off just within a couple of days. I found out I needed uh, surgery and we're luckily able to get that done through before my insurance benefits expired. But oh, nice. That was just a crazy week. Um, I So I'd come over. I'd already commit to come over to judge a, a journalism contest, ran into our director at the time. She was telling her, you know, I'd been laid off. She's like, oh, I'm really sorry. And she's like, hey, I've got a faculty member that's uh, going to have a baby and decide not to come back in the fall. And do you want the job? I said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Talk she, about I, timing. She said it'd be a one year, you know, probationary right. thing. I said, yeah, absolutely. That was in February. So the job, of course, didn't start until August. So right. I had to make ends meet for several months, uh, which thankfully we were able to do uh, and just was able to uh, come back. And so started uh, in August of 2009. Uh and they said, what do you want to teach? I said, well, I've got an advertising public relations experience. I can teach a little bit of public speaking. Uh, so I ended up teaching copywriting, uh, which is our senior level advertising writing course, public relations writing, which has kind of become my bread and butter class that I teach almost every semester and really the one that I that I really love. I, I enjoy most of them, but that's probably my my best course that I really enjoy. Uh, and then I helped with, at the time we had a, a job prep, a portfolio class. I got to help with that and, and meet some, some new people and learn with that. So really just kind of, uh, I guess, Jessica, through saying yes, just the ability yeah. to, to say yes and then within you know a year or so that that the department head at the time she said well you know i know you're a baseball fan which which i am uh she said you're kind of our utility player you can kind of slot into anywhere um <laughs> so i just kind of you know saying yes and learning how to teach and, and a lot of the classes that i teach i've had to learn how to teach them mm-hmm. you know it's um which is cool to get to learn alongside the students, and you know, I joke that I can teach almost anything that's not you know hardcore research methods or hardcore technology. So writing survey courses, introductory courses, uh, you know, and then so I taught the PR and the advertising class for several years. I've had the PR, the public information writing class almost every semester, and like I said, and then I've just had some great opportunities. I got to teach business journalism for a little while. Uh, I got to teach some sports journalism with a well-known alumnus of ours who's a national sports broadcaster. So I got to you know, find myself sitting courtside at Coke Arena helping students do play-by-play, which was wow. really, really interesting. Um, uh, the, and then I, I, I've, I also really enjoy our intro classes. I taught our intro to IMC class, kind of a careers in advertising and public relations for several years uh and then just have had some other opportunities uh our current department head dr jarman has asked me to teach our intro to mass comm class uh, and that was really cool because one of our colleagues uh, dan close who uh-huh. who whom you and some of our listeners may know uh had taught that for many many years and uh he ended up transitioning out of that and then a little bit later passing away unexpectedly so that's that's really humbling and really an honor to get to to teach that class and i still actually use just a little bit of material from dan so i I love that i love that our students can can hear hear dan's voice and 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 just get his journalism knowledge and and his newspaper specific knowledge Mm -hmm. in that class uh and then here in the last couple years as we've had some other faculty members retire again i've kind of said yes. Uh, and I'm teaching a lot of our comm studies or formerly strategic communication classes. Uh, I got asked to teach our intercultural communication class a couple years ago and really, really fell in love with that class. Again, it's one that I've learned alongside the students, but mm-hmm. it's so broad and and it's such, you know, so, so it was so out of my comfort zone. So it was a really good way to push myself out of my comfort zone and teach something new so I've done that. Uh, I've gotten the opportunity to teach a leadership course recently and then I have an advanced public relations class that I do every few years. Uh, And then I guess the other thing is I had done a fellowship here on campus and some workshops and things and I'd learned how to teach online in about 2014-2015 and the timing of that couldn't have been better with COVID because then you know again I wouldn't say I'm an expert at teaching online but I at least knew the basics and uh, you know, was able to transition my courses pretty effectively, and then help some of our colleagues that hadn't yeah. had that opportunity.
0: Because you were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you were an online faculty fellow for a while, yes. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what did what did that involve exactly?
1: Yeah, so it was some professional development workshops here on campus, and some networking, and then you did an online course through an organization. I think it's called Quality Matters, and they oh, okay. they teach you kind of how to structure and how to evaluate. Online courses according to a rubric, so I oh. learned those, and you had to kind of put together a course. And it was—it was a lot of work. It was very rigorous, but I think those things really helped. And then I had some great colleagues uh, on our faculty at the time who were a little bit ahead of me in that faculty fellowship. Uh, Dr. Jen Tiernan was one of them, oh, and sure. just were super helpful, so I could you know ask them questions and and different things. So that was that was really helpful.
0: So you you really have taught. I mean, when you say a little of everything, like. It really has been a little of everything. It really has. Very well-rounded communicator, yeah, I would say. Uh,
1: it, it's, it's been fun. Uh, you know, but it's interesting. You probably see this in your courses too. There's a common, you know, the ability to write, the ability to network with professionals, the ability to look beyond the surface, the ability to manage a project in a schedule uh, all of those things, uh, you right. know, are are kind of, they're going to get some of that woven. I also, I love YouTube. Uh, I love <laughs> YouTube videos. Same. And I, I have recently gifted myself and my students the uh, an ad-free YouTube subscription so they don't oh. have to watch. A lot of times we were watching commercials to watch a commercial. So uh-huh. uh, that's been a, a great benefit. Um, so yeah, I find ways to incorporate that and... Uh, you know, yeah, just try to try to make the classes as engaging as I can. And I try to generate a lot of discussion. I, I, I'm a big believer that we learn better when we're all contributing and, and lots of people together.
0: I, I also do a lot of – I'm glad you mentioned that you, for many of your courses, had to learn, learn them along with the students. And, and sometimes, even if you know the content, learn how to teach it because uh-huh. that's different. And I think that's something that when I first came in, I felt like – I needed to know it all in the beginning, like in order to be qualified, Mm -hmm. I needed to know it. And then quickly learned, no, one, that's not how the industry works. It's going to grow and change. You grow and change with it. And two, learning, like you said, with the students in a discussional, discussional, is that a word? I don't know. Discussion-based way (laughs) um, is almost more helpful to them. Mm -hmm. Not almost, it is more helpful in most cases than just saying, okay, this is my knowledge, I now impart it to you. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, this is not really the topic of conversation for the podcast. But I just want to ask the question because I think a lot of people don't understand we hear the we hear jobs, uh, job titles, and people say, you know, I work in PR and advertising, I work in PR and marketing. Can you explain to us what you said public relations is kind of like your bread and butter? What is public relations Mm -hmm. in relation to advertising or marketing or some of those related
1: fields? Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to get a little nerdy on you here. Do it, but, I love it. Or a little it. nerdier maybe, but <laughs> um, so public relations is really the reputation of an organization. Uh, and it's the it's more of the earned through behavior and action and, and sometimes initiative and sometimes things that happen to you externally as opposed to buying ad space and putting out a curated message. Sure. So it's it's working with the media. It's it's responding to media interview inquiries and you know, sharing—you know—sharing some of the positive that you're doing, but also responding when potentially negative situations affect your organizations. Uh, and, and then PR today, in the last five years or so, has really changed uh, from kind of that traditional. You know, a lot for many, many years, PR was trying to get the attention of the media and get mm-hmm. that coverage Great. that money can't buy. That's not advertising that you are putting out on your own. Um, you know, so you know, doing you know a charity drive, doing you know, Press uh, or yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know, trying to get those good news stories out. Well, about five years ago, uh, the USC Annenberg School of Communication, which is one of the annual industry benchmarks, puts out a, a report every year, and the report a few years ago basically said that audiences in general cannot tell the difference between. Uh, content that is put out through the media, kind of that traditional old school PR, and content that businesses, brands, nonprofits, organizations are pushing out themselves. So social media, your website, you know that, right. that content marketing, and they don't care. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's, the, that's the the big piece. So that kind of flipped PR in its head and gave the industry kind of reason to. Focus more on okay. Let's push out our own content. You know, we all know uh-huh. that the media landscape has changed. It's not going away, as some would argue, but it certainly has changed. And there are fewer reporters, and there's less you know with these big stories. You know, pandemics and wars and global unrest and you know other things. There's there's fewer you know, less room for those traditional good news stories. So right. organizations should and can have better results by putting out their own information to the content. Uh, and a lot of PR. Uh, practitioners use something called the PESO model, which stands for paid, earned, shared, and owned. It's uh, created by an agency out of Chicago about 10 years ago. But it basically organizes all that digital content, you know, the traditional earned media, the old school PR, and and the new, you know, social digital content stuff.
0: Interesting. Okay. I'd always Uh, heard of the, you know, the different, the main difference being paid versus versus, unpaid versus uh, earned, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I've never specifically heard the phrase that PR is about your reputation, and I really like that. I feel like that makes sense in my brain.
1: Yeah, and, and it's hard-earned. I mean, it's not, you know, right. so I, I'm a huge Southwest Airlines fan, loyalist, anybody that knows me knows that. Yep. I have an inflatable Southwest airplane in my office that hangs over my head, and you can see it on Zoom calls and things. <laughs> and and I still fly whenever I get a chance. But they, you know, they had the little snafu, uh-huh. um, not little, the large snafu, um, here a few months ago uh, at winter break and they're still recovering from that you know they're still telling what they as an organization are doing but the public is still weighing in on that and mm-hmm. a lot of crises you know they're you're going to take a hit for a while yeah. you know both financially and reputationally but most build back and then sadly sometimes another crisis happens to another organization that takes the media's attention away Yep, and that's you know that happens over and over again and it seems like the last I don't know Eight, 10 years, we've just been in, in what I call constant crisis mode. And uh, just the, the goal of, of good PR is to be prepared, you know, not not if something's going to happen, but when.
0: Right. And you teach crisis communication. Is it a full class or is it a piece of a class? I teach it PR within a
1: couple of other classes. Yeah.
0: Will you tell us about, just because I think it's really interesting, will you tell us about some of the, like, the, the Projects that you do because there's one specifically that I know you know what I'm talking about that I think is just so interesting and puts students in the hot seat, so to speak. Tell us about how you teach crisis communication.
1: Yeah, so you're probably talking about the news conference yes. assignment, and this is something I don't really know how I came up with the idea, but I've been doing it almost since I started teaching the class, oh, wow. the PR writing class. But it, it kind of stemmed from the idea that I had done all these great public relations internships uh, locally and and things, and until I got to Southwest Airlines in grad school. I had never gotten to actually answer a reporter or interact with a reporter. I'd sent some pitches and some press releases, but never heard anything back, you know, which is common. Uh, So at Southwest, they let me, the second week on the job, they let me call back a reporter in Japan, of all places. And so that was was really cool. And I wanted students to get this experience in kind of a safe, controlled classroom environment, you know, where – the stakes are relatively low and there's a lot of opportunity for learning. So I started uh, coming up with these crisis scenarios and it started out being a a, a cruise line, a scenario of a number of things that had happened to, I think it was Carnival cruise lines uh, pre-COVID, well before COVID. Uh, But there was an incident where they lost power for several days and plumbing and a ship sat in the Gulf and you can imagine what it'd be like to be on a cruise ship with no electricity or or plumbing. Yes. Uh, So students had to respond to that. So basically, the students read a statement, and then I bring in real reporters or PR professionals to ask them questions. And sometimes I also bring in lights and cameras and microphones, and I've kind of gotten soft in my old age. I, I'm not <laughs> doing as much of the lights and cameras anymore, but there have been some requests to bring them back, and we have a really cool New TV studio space that's actually just a couple of feet from where you and I are uh-huh. sitting right now, and I may move in there. So that's a great uh, don't idea. tell my future students, but we may <laughs> yeah. we may do that. But really, I want them to, to get a chance to think on their feet, and yes. and to be honest, I think it scares a lot of them. And and the goal, you know, I, I don't want to scare anyone, but the goal is to, you know, I use this, you know, hey, maybe you don't ever want to be a spokesperson, but you know, hey, Jessica, weren't you a communication major in college? You know, we're all part of this let's say, kids' swim team, and one of our kids' coaches did something that they shouldn't have, and, hey, you're pretty articulate, and weren't you a commager? How about you talk to the, the reporter on behalf of our parent group? Right. So I try to make you know those scenarios, re- or maybe you're, you know, you're a student athlete, and you did this incredible thing, and you're getting requests for interviews, so here's how to do that better. So uh, I try, try to make it applicable, and I think one of the takeaways that students find is, they realized they could actually do this. They yeah. could really be a spokesperson. And some of them are like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I still don't want to, and that's fine. But just the goal to be in a safe environment uh, and, and and to teach them to think on their feet and you know how to respond when we don't have all the information and how to how to think about the reputation of our organization. And then, you know, really, I think the other key to it is I bring in professionals, uh, a lot of whom are alumni or other people that work on campus here, who bring, who give really good, really helpful feedback from the perspective of people that are out doing this job every day.
0: Right. You know, and something that I was just thinking about with that assignment, and I think, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, You probably wouldn't ever have to be a spokesperson if you didn't want to be, right? Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, if you even think about it, if you have a video or something that just accidentally goes viral, as sometimes they do, then all of a sudden you are that person. Like, it is is plausible for any single person anywhere to all of a sudden have a giant audience that they need to respond to for one reason or the other. So that's a really – applicable skill that they may or may not need to use, but they might.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of our students and graduates will also go to be a one-person shop. So they right. will be the marketing PR for a small nonprofit or a startup or a small business. So you're it a lot of the, a lot of the times. Uh, the other piece of that is most audiences prefer not to hear it from the paid spokesperson who are True. in many cases better at, you know, and, and more skilled at it. But they want to hear from the, the executive, from the the, the CEO, the Head coach, the president of the company, whatever the case may be. Uh, so a lot of times our job as communicators is just to coach those individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I work a lot of that into my classes and I have a, a little consulting gig that I do on the side with that uh, as well. So really but you know, even if you know you may not want to do this, you need to know how to help your your boss in many cases or your your board or whatever mm-hmm. be prepared for that.
0: So so let's I have spent A lot of time talking to you about things other than our original topic I intended, which is totally fine with me because you're just interesting and you have lots of cool things to say. But I think this is a good kind of segue into what you and I had originally kind of wanted to cover, um, which is self-care for Mm. the communicator, right? So just in the time that we've been talking so far, we've talked about the fact that um, you know, agency life can be stressful, um, that communicators are expected to do a hundred different things, that sometimes those things involve crisis communication. So in all of those things that we've discussed, there's a unique stress to that. There's a unique um, mental load to that. You know, I guess that's not, that's a term kind of used for other instances, but you get where I'm headed with that. So first of all, before we even get into why you care about self-care, um, what you've learned about it. I think self-care is such a nebulous term and some people consider it bubble bath and chocolates and some people consider it, you know, um, setting a budget and sticking to it or, you know, any number of things. So how would you describe self-care specifically for those of us in this industry?
1: Mm. That's a great question. I'm going to answer it in two parts. Absolutely. The first, the first thing is, you know, we as the communicator, that the PR, the marketing, whatever, the executive, you know, communications, whatever, <laughs> internal comms, whatever our role might be, the video, uh, multimedia manager, whatever, uh, we are expected to put out the message. You know, right. and if you look at the last, you know, three years, just three plus years, you know, we've got everything shutting down and going online. And if you remember initially all the all the restaurants that you'd never gotten an email from in three years were sending you how they keep their pop machines clean during COVID. Yeah, you know, those emails, um, you know. And then it moved quickly into social justice, and um, you know, and the res- and then more that the response to the pandemic and things slowly reopening and hybrid, and then the Great Resignation and all this. You know, many. I'm leaving out many other things, obviously, but we're we as communicators are expected to deliver the message and help craft the message. Uh, you know, and have it all together, you know, yeah. and, and appear to have it all together. And of course, you've heard the old the old adage, don't shoot the messenger. You know, we're <laughs> oftentimes, because we send out the message or our name is connected to the quote or the email, we're oftentimes kind of that first line of response. Uh, and I think in a lot of that, and, and what I saw, I, I'm involved in a couple of public relations and academic trade groups and... Right. You know I, I think you know the professionals did an admirable job given some very very difficult circumstances but it quickly became apparent that we were overlooking caring for ourselves and 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 in doing that we were affecting our ability to deliver those messages Sure. So I think I, I think to answer your first question what is self-care In this context, I think it's the ability to make sure that you as a person first are in a place to be able to, you know, to be in a a place where you can do your job effectively and provide that strategic counsel that your organization needs to whether a potential crisis or, or a difficult interview or whatever the case, or, or a big video project that you're having to do remotely instead of in a studio or whatever the case may be. But I think it's the ability to, to to make sure that you're in a space to personally be okay so that then you can do your job and help and in some cases elevate others.
0: I love that definition and here's why. Uh, you know we on the podcast, we've talked about self-care and mental health in a lot of different capacities, mm-hmm. uh, which is how our conversation got started is that you'd listen to a previous episode and we're like, hey, I think we could talk about that. Uh, and I think for me, as I have been traveling through the journey of what is self-care for me, the biggest component is the person themselves having to recognize what they need because it is different for every single person. And so, in a sense, having someone say, Eric, this is what you need to do for self-care is sort of the opposite of self-care because mm. you need to say to yourself, Eric, what do I need right now? Like what, you know, and it's, and it's almost taking away an expectation and a judgment of this is what I'm supposed to be doing and saying, what do I need to do right now for me? So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it makes more sense to me to phrase it that way than to just say, well, it's different for everybody.
1: Yeah, and, and I think those needs can change. I think our yes. our individual needs, given the season, can change. Maybe what you need at one point is rest and and a break, and maybe the other t- what you need in the next moment is a place where you can go and and work and get things done. Uh, I have a friend in a in a social context who uh, we were talking to her yesterday, and she just said. I finally have a space at home where I can go and work and be undisturbed. And she had the opportunity to do a sabbatical about a year ago. And my wife said, we needed that a year ago. And we're like, no, actually, I needed that three years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but th- those needs can evolve. And sometimes you need to connect with others. Um, you know, sometimes you need to do something fun. Uh, for yourself. Sometimes you need to mix up the routine. Sometimes you need more structure. Sometimes you need less. So I think a lot of it is showing ourselves grace in in those situations, but also knowing how to find or get or tap into the tools and training that we need to help us in a lot of different circumstances.
0: Yeah. You know what that makes me think of when you mentioned kind of the different stage of life or season of life or whatever you want to call it. Never in my life have I seen such a distinct difference in Stages of life than when COVID started. And I remember what was so interesting. We're in lockdown, right? For the official lockdown was what? I think six weeks, maybe something like that. And for me, and I would guess for you as well, you know, I was like, I am never alone. My husband and I are trying to work from home. I've got two kids at home who are normally at school and they're needing attention. And it was just, this like overstimulated bubble that I mm. was in, and it was, and it felt so stressful. Mm. And then to juxtapose that with talking to my students, and they were many of them experiencing the most profound loneliness that they had ever mm. felt because they were alone in a dorm room or alone in a um, an apartment. You know, some of them were able to go home, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the ones that were able to go home, you know, it was, it's just very, very different. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy to me how. I guess I guess it, what it reminded me of is that I needed to be careful not to be giving advice or saying this is how you need to get through this pandemic mm-hmm. because we were having such different lived experiences. Mm-hmm. So them being able to trust themselves for what they needed and me being able to trust myself and neither of us feeling the need to say well that's lazy on your part or that, you know what I mean? Like getting rid of that connotation because all the lived experiences are so different. And that's not even taking into account people who, you know, had COVID, lost a loved one to COVID, lost a job to COVID. Mm -hmm. None of those were even part of my lived experience or some of my students. So it's just fascinating how different the needs can be, I think.
1: Yeah. and, And I think we lost a lot of our coping mechanisms during that time. So if you liked working out, for instance, and going to the right. gym, you couldn't do that for a, a while, uh, or you had to do it outdoors mm-hmm. where you might be a hardcore go lift weights and, and run on a treadmill person, you know, unless you happen to have that set up in your home, uh, which, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people did at the time. You, you know, you had to figure out. So I, I started going for walks, you yeah. know, that I can do. And, um, but yeah, I, I think you, 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 you hit the nail on the head, you know, the experience is different for everyone, you know? And I think there's certainly the ability to empathize and to, you know, be, you know, be, you know, we're all in this together, but everyone is experiencing it in a different way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think the pandemic obviously was a a situation in which you noticed the needs of self-care, especially for communicators rising. But outside of that, over your lifetime why mm. has self-care become something that is so important to you and why have you chosen to spend a good amount of your career you know teaching others about it
1: yeah that, that that's a great question um I, I think a lot of it you know a couple things i think the pandemic certainly you know had to change how we all work um, and, and then i think um you know a, a lot of it for me too is a personal situation and i won't get into a ton of detail but uh, I had a situation where there was uh, some very difficult and became relationships in my life that became very unhealthy, and uh, as the timing would have it, uh, right around the, the the middle of lockdown is when this all kind of came to a head, and I finally realized, okay, I've been trying to manage this and it ain't working, mm-hmm. and uh, I had been see- seeing a counselor occasionally for a little while, and and it was never a stigma to me, uh, perfectly. Uh, perfectly normal but I really leaned into that and then then I just have some wise friends and some wise uh, family and people in my life who really helped me understand that hey you've got to take care of this personal situation first before you know before you're able to you know help others and and even you know it, it came to a point where it was difficult to do my job for a little bit and like I said, and the fact that this was like May and June of 2020 when a lot of this was going <laughs> on just wasn't great either. Perfect story. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, that's really when it became personal. I'd been doing a little bit here and there, uh, but that's really where I leaned into it and uh, have have a really good counselor. And, and she's been super helpful as far as resources, and I still see her. Um, occasionally, and, uh, that, that has helped. Um, and then you know, there are things like the Enneagram, which is a a pretty well-known, you know, personality understanding tool, um, that, that has been helpful. Um, I also have leaned into my faith, uh, and, and, and our, our church community has been super helpful, uh, so it's kind of a collection of a lot of different things that, yeah. that I've built. And then, you know, as I got more interested in this and as I got, you know, to a, a better place, I started looking at our industry and students and the PR field as as a whole. And that's kind of where I started putting together some of this research. Um, I, you know, I love conferences. I love both professional and academic conferences and going to them and speaking at them. And And so I just decided, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, something like that, to put some of this together. And I applied to speak at a few conferences and I got the opportunity to, to roll this uh, some of this stuff out for the first time uh, just about a year ago uh, at a public relations conference in, in Nashville. And so that's kind of where I started coalescing, you know, a little more structure to it and putting some professional and some blending some personal and I've had just a lot of opportunities to share what I've learned along the way. And I also say I am not an expert at any of this and I try <laughs> to tell my students that, but I'm happy to share what I have learned and and my hope is just that people can find a few things that they can relate to and hopefully that they can take away. Um, you know, I I have a pretty vast collection of resources, uh, but, you know, I always encourage people at these talks on this topic, find those one or two things that you can do that will help, uh, help that, that, you know, that you can... You can deploy in your own life, either professionally or personally or both, and and kind of find those things and work on those. And that's kind of what I had to do, too, is just work on one or two things at a time. Yeah. Uh, We have a a wise colleague named Sandy Sipes here. And uh, her mantra in grad school is, you can eat the elephant one bite at a time. Absolutely. So I I try to think of of that that saying sometimes.
0: I love Sandy Sipes. She has a lot of great, great anecdotes. (laughs) So what do you think is a challenge for people when it comes to self-care. And, and I guess uh, my question kind of there is, I think that there's a lot of myths around self-care that, you know, it's lazy or it's selfish or you should always be giving 110% to your job or you're never going to get ahead in your career. And and I think that those myths are dispelling it, you know, in in recent decades. But what do you, I guess, what would you say to someone who has, kind of some resistance mm-hmm. to the term or to the act of self-care?
1: Sure. Well, uh, well, I think it's very broad first. Right. Um, you know, much like our communication discipline, that's one of the things I love about it is you can go in a million different directions with it. And I also think that you cannot, we as human beings, uh, cannot be in a position where, I mean, I think all of us want to do work to the best of our abilities in the most, you know, in most circumstances, whether you're volunteering or whether it's a career or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I think that we have to understand that we have to be in a, in a mental space where we can do that. And, and also we have to realize that we're probably not going to be 100% every day and that's sure. okay. Uh, but I, I think we have to realize that we have to put those tools and resources into place, you know, and it could be, you know, counseling and, you know, behavioral and, and s- psychology and different things. It could be s- simpler things like changing your routine, mm-hmm. uh, doing something fun. And I can give you a couple of examples of that in, in a bit. Um, you know, connecting with a friend, you know, all, all those things. I, I think just doing those little things that give us a, a boost mm-hmm. uh, and, and again, kind of building those healthy habits over time. Uh, and kind of working into those little, you know, healthy habits as they come along.
0: And so what are, you know, the habits are going to be different for every person. But uh-huh. for you, what are some things that have helped you over the years?
1: Sure. Um, the first thing is, is doing something active. Um you know, I, working out, you know, whatever that – and I am certainly not a workout fiend. If you've ever run into me in the gym, you know that. <laughs> uh, but I try to do something. And, and again, when, when all I could do is go for a walk, that's – you know, when the gyms were closed, that's what I did. And uh, I still do that every once in a while, though my preference right now is to, to go work out on an elliptical where I can be entertained and in the air conditioning. And right. I'm also not a real outdoors person. Uh, I, I mean, I like being outside, but I don't want to be dirty and sweaty and I bugs and icky things. So I, um, you know, but just making, there are days just making myself do that. And I don't personally set a goal like, I want to be in the gym six days a week. That's just <laughs> not my thing. A lot of times it works out that way, but I also give myself permission to not do those things. You yeah. know, yesterday, for example, I did go for a walk, but um, I have a step counter on my my Apple watch and it was bugging me. And I didn't meet my goal yesterday. And I was like, eh, that's all right. I'm tired. I think what I need is rest. So I think knowing when you need that physical activity, if that's your thing, mm-hmm. knowing when you need to rest. Um, we also, on top of all this craziness, you know, at, at almost 40 years old, I got my first pet uh, you know, in the middle of lockdown and all this stuff, got a cat and and the cat annoys me sometimes, but oh my <laughs> gosh, I love that little creature. Shout out to Vivaldi. Um, you know, just, just watching the cat, you know, you know, balance activity. And, and I think dogs are probably similar, but, you know, he's either fully engaged in playing or he's chill and he doesn't mm-hmm. care about the rest. And then, you know, now he's settling down enough that where he'll lay on your lap and purr and let you pet him. Uh, occasionally and, and that's been super relaxing. So just doing those things that, that relax, uh, you, um, I love to travel. So I, I get, you know, every chance I get, you know, during, during COVID, I was watching YouTube videos of travel cause I was, again, about all we could do and, and found some great creators and things that, that I've really enjoyed, but I, I try to find ways to travel. Uh, that's always been a passion of mine. Um, but there are small things, you know. Taking a vacation is expensive, and I'm sure. not saying. Um, one thing that my personal counselor said that that that's been really helpful is don't be afraid if you're not putting yourself in a dire financial situation to spend a little bit of money on yourself. Yeah, uh, and, and she's like, I think we as Midwesterners are, you know, frugal, you know, and that's difficult. But you know, if you like to go get a cup of coffee from. Starbucks or scooters or Dutch brothers or wherever do it, you know, and I probably do that a little too much <laughs> Got my scooters cup here in front of me Love it. Um, But you know, I've done I I do those things um, you know, you know, I've you know, I've decided at this point that life is too short to wear uncomfortable shoes So I've yes. invested in some what I think are comfortable shoes uh, and again, I'm not saying, you know, go out and spin crazily but that, that was really helpful just hearing, you know, hey, it's okay to spend a little money on yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. um, whatever that looks like. Um, I've, I've experimented a little bit with meditation. Uh, again, I'm far from an expert at it, but uh, what I do is, and I'm not doing it so much the summer, but uh, as I get back into the, the school year routine, I try to do a little five to 10 minutes. Uh, I just have some YouTube videos that I found that are just kind of a little short guided meditation. It kind of goes with my, that's about how much time I have in the morning (laughs) bandwidth. And it goes with my attention span and I just go down, you know, I like to go while the sun's still coming up. I go, go to our basement and do that. Sometimes my cat joins me and uh, walks on top of it. if you've ever tried to meditate with a cat walking across your chest, that's an interesting experience. (laughs) Um, so i just look for those little things. Uh, and, and I think one of the bigger things too has been just giving myself permission to rest and veg out. I, I've always been one of those people that I feel like you've got to be doing something and being productive. And I am really working on rest. And one of the things I want to work on this summer is, is reading. I did that last summer. It's been a couple weeks where more or less I sat on the couch and read. And... Um, so trying to, you know, build those habits in um, uh, as well. So those are some things. Um, uh, seeking professional, again, seeking professional help if you can. There's a lot of times you can get uh, financial assistance if that's an issue mm-hmm. uh, or there's lower cost resources. Um the other thing that I try to do is just reach out to friends. I've got a great, great community, both professionally and personally. Uh, and what I try to do is when I'm doing well, I try to reach out to a friend and whether or not they're not, do, you know, just hey, I haven't talked to this person. Well, I'm going to shoot him a text or, or, or send him a, a WhatsApp message. And so just kind of the pay it forward principle, I guess, yeah. uh, has been helpful. Just so just connecting with different individuals and, um you know, and then I think kind of looking forward to those milestones. I have a friend that we meet for breakfast every couple weeks, and uh, we weren't doing that, you know, during you know, while the restaurants and things were closed. But we noticed that our Chick Fil A near us was reopening, and we'd been meeting outdoors and we met at Chick-fil-A like the second day it opened and now we're there pretty much every couple weeks you know, and <laughs> have been for the last couple years. You can find us, uh, in there, you know, every couple weeks meeting and it's just kind of our, our time to catch up. So I just look for those opportunities. I guess it goes back to the teaching philosophy I talked about earlier, you know, say yes, you know, be open, uh, to, uh, adaptability and learning new things and, and, and saying yes, um, you know, I, I also think saying yes is great. It's also okay to say no. It's okay yeah. to you know to set good boundaries and 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 I've again tried to work through some of that in my in my personal life especially. Uh, but you know, if something's not working for you anymore or, or something that's not, you know, bringing you a lot of joy and purpose, look for ways to either change that or to offload it or to, you know, Hey, this is, we had a good run for this season, but I just don't, I'm not seeing the benefit from this anymore. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think th- those boundaries can be helpful.
0: So it sounds like, you know, over the past few years, you have really got, a decent handle on sort of your own self-care needs, but I'm sure it's not always perfect. Hmm. So how, how do you know, like what are some of the signs for you that like, hey, maybe I'm starting to kind of fall off a little bit. Maybe I need to focus a little bit more on hmm. self-care. How can you tell when maybe you're not in flow, so to speak?
1: Hmm. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a really good question. I think it creeps up on you. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, hey, I'm just getting a little more worked up. I'm just getting a little more stressed about this situation than I than I would have, you know, previously. Uh, and, and I think that I need to, you know, I think it takes a little while to realize, hey, maybe I need to step back or, you know, hey, I haven't done a meditation video in a while or, you know, hey, I've been working pretty hard on this home project or this work work thing and, I haven't been, you know, giving myself 30 minutes to go for a walk or go to the gym as much as I'd like. And, you know, I think you, you just kind of have to recognize and, and be willing to make those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and patience is something that no one has ever accused me of having much <laughs> of. Uh, but I think you have to be patient with yourself and, again, realize, and a lot of the research that I've seen says, you know, we're not going to get this perfect the first time Um but you have to kind of try things and adapt. So I think just the willingness to try something different. Uh, The other thing is I think the willingness to ask for help, you know, Hey, find whether it's a professional or just, you know, people in your personal life, you know, Hey, what are you seeing? What do you think would be good here? I'll give you an example of something I'm working on, probably not terribly successfully right now, but (laughs) I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a long-suffering Kansas City Royals fan, been one my whole life, still am. Uh, And I was okay with the lovable losers the first, you know, 30 years or so. I was a toddler when they won it in 85, don't really remember. Uh, But then 2014 and 2015 comes around. They They go to and then win the World Series, and now I don't like them losing anymore. Right. And this year they are absolutely terrible. I don't have a nicer word to say than awful uh, for their, and it's just, be, it's been kind of a drain on my mental health. It's like, come on guys, you're getting paid to do this. It, bums and me out. it does. And, 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 and one of my kids, especially is a, is hu- has become a, a huge Royals fan. I'm not sure I've given him a good gift in that. Um, <laughs> And so I was talking to a friend of mine who is a who is a counselor, and and he said a couple weeks ago, why don't you check out on him? What 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 would make you? And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that, Chuck. You know? And he's like, Oh yeah, you can. So I thought, Hey, eh, I don't really want to do that. And and I did, and I didn't. I mean, if I was being honest. But then they went on this like ten game losing streak, and and I was just, I don't know how much more of this I can take. And then my favorite player right now, Vinny Pasquantino, our first baseman, gets hurt. He's going to be out the rest of the year, and I'm like. Okay, this is the impetus I need to actually do this. So, I don't have the Kansas City Royals website on my phone right now. Uh, in my internet big. browser. Do I still check and know what's going gone? Yeah, I do. And does my my son? Yeah. But we're both trying to kind of step back. Uh, and then Father's Day comes along yesterday, and what does he get me? A t-shirt about my favorite players. So I was <laughs> like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to wear this this week. Because, like, I'll go. I'll get some, Adam. I won't wear my, ro- my... My favorite hat is a Royals hat, and I won't even wear it. It's like... I, and then then spring training hopes eternal, and, you know, i' I'm fine. I just need that reset, but yeah, I'm thinking about like, and again, I'm not a patient person. That's important here, but it's what mid- June as we record this. and it's like, I don't want to wait until next March to think about baseball, you know, mm-hmm. so, but I'm just trying to take those steps back. And it's been, helpful now have i quit cold turkey no and will i i don't know uh but probably not but it's it's just been i've been in a better shape you know it took me a while to realize that i needed to do this Mm -hmm. and a couple of nudging and then but hey I'm, i'm i'm trying to step back a little bit and and that's been really helpful
0: well, and I think that's a, that story is a good lesson in controlling what you can control, mm-hmm. you know, because what can you not control? The success of the Royals. <laughs> what can you control is your reaction to it and or mm. your exposure to it. And yes. so you took what you could and handled it the only way that you could. Now, if you could go out there and coach them, I don't know. Maybe they'd be better with Eric Wilson as the coach. <laughs> yeah, but. probably
1: not. But <laughs> I like to think that, but probably not. Yeah. And you
0: do coach your boys' teams, right? Uh,
1: I do. <laughs> so,
0: So there you go. I have faith in you. Royals, if you need a new coach. Bring on Eric Wilson. Call me.
1: <laughs> Call me. Um, but it's, uh, th- th- I love the control what you can control. And, yeah. and I've had a couple of wise friends and mentors that have said, you know, said that both, again, both in the personal and professional. There's really very little that we can control. And and I right. think coming to the understanding of that and the realization of that is big. Mm-hmm. And But what we can control is, is us, you know, and we can't usually control another person. I can't control my pet most of the times, yeah. you know, but I can control what I'm thinking, how I'm responding and how I'm dealing with stressors or potentially triggering situations or whatever the case may be. Uh, and I think that kind of comes back to that self, you know. Self-care, okay, what do I do? This is going to be really stressful. This is going to be a a sucky situation and I need to do it. And, you know, we all have to do those things. But what can I do to make sure that I'm in the best space to navigate this as successfully as possible?
0: Yeah. You know, those two things of what do I need and what can I control are, as I'm finding through parenting, Mm -hmm. such such a hard thing to teach to someone mm-hmm. and such a hard thing to know yourself because, you know, with my kids right now, it's really interesting because I feel like we've done a pretty good job of teaching them, you know, it's okay to say what your needs are. It's okay. You know, I, I think I've maybe mentioned this before, but one of my children has some sensory issues. So mm-hmm. oftentimes <clears throat> their needs are different than maybe those of their friends. So so we have we have taught them to say and be okay with, with being assertive and say, I need a break because this is too loud. I need to step mm. out. I need to whatever. But then <laughs> this is where it gets kind of funny. I pat myself on the back because i was like, oh, great parent. He knows how to you know talk about his needs, whatever, whatever. And then it turns into him being in the living room saying, everyone is too loud for me. Y'all need to leave. You need to take a break. <laughs> you know, I need this time. And so then we've tried to say, okay, now hold up. It's great that you know what your needs are. But you can only control you. You can't control, you know, your sister. Mm -hmm. She's going to scream. Like, we're we're trying to work on that, but sometimes she screams, right? And so trying to teach him exactly what you said. Sometimes you are going to have to deal with kind of sucky situations Mm -hmm. because you can't control the people Mm -hmm. around you. You Mm -hmm. can't control life around you. But you can control how you react to it. So that's such a delicate balance that is hard to teach an 8-year-old and is hard for me as a mid-30s person to figure out and probably will continue to be hard until – we move on to the next plane, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. Do you struggle with the, with that line? Do you think? Uh,
1: yeah, that that that's that's great. I think, yeah, like you said, it is a process. I think it's something that we are constantly learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think sometimes there's just little quick uh, something that I've learned recently from my my counselor is some little tension releasing exercise. So there's one where you kind of push on your knees. You cross your arms and push on your knees. I'm doing it here in the studio. It looks pretty goofy, but <laughs> you just kind of push until it's real tense or lean into a door frame and just kind of push, you know, and it's just a great little quick, re- you know, tension release. Yeah. Um, Same thing like getting up. Uh, if you have something on your fitness tracker that bings at you when you need to stand up i try to to heed those i was like i probably do need to get up just move around even if just go upstairs get a get a drink mm-hmm. and then come back um you know I, I think just some of those little things that we can do in the moment and a lot of times people may not even notice that we're doing them but those self-soothing i know there's different things you can do like touch your palm and different things yep. that, that can be helpful as well um maybe you need a fidget you know the, the like the the things they use in classrooms and things for kids a little yeah. Spinners or rubber bubble wrap or things that you have. Sometimes I think those things can be helpful too. Um, But yeah, realizing that, you know, all I control is me and my response to this. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I I think is uh, assuming in most cases positive intention on behalf of of others. Hey, this person, and again, I'm not the greatest at this all the time, but hey, this person is. You know, you know, we we may disagree, but I don't need to necessarily assume that they have malice in their heart. Uh, you know, and sometimes they do, but I think more often than not, uh, it's you know, it's it, it's not the case. Um,
0: so there's one kind of last bit that I would like to touch on before we're finished here, which is that of uh, the the needs shifting through generations. So. Right now, we are instructing Gen Z, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Our kids, I believe, I believe my kids would be edge of Gen Alpha. Yours might be as well. I think
1: I have one on each side. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so they're going to be kind of on the edge there. So, uh, you know, how have you seen the needs of self-care and or just the way that you are helping students to meet their own needs? How has that changed over Mm. the 15 years that you've been teaching?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I've done a little bit of research on Gen Z, especially. Um, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I think kind of those cycles of, you know, how, of what's happening in the world and how parenting goes, you know, you and I are probably both in kind of the millennial. I don't like to call myself a millennial. I'm kind of on the Gen X millennial line. On the cusp. Yeah. I'm straight up millennial um, archetype. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't, let me say, I don't like the stereotypes, yeah. you know, of, of, of the generations, but you know, I think it depends. You know, we were probably both given fairly loose reins as a kid, and you know, raised, uh, you know, and we, I think, were pretty fortunate. I mean, you know, yeah, there were some challenging times, but we were. Both raised, you know, were fairly close in age. I think mm-hmm. in a fairly stable time. I yes. mean, Yeah. there was, yeah, you know, Arguably. The, arguably, yeah. I mean, there's never a perfect, you know, harmonious decade. But you we know, can, we, were, we can
0: pinpoint like one or two big yeah, events. Uh, yes. Versus uh, you know, the, twenty. Yes.
1: So uh, I think our our younger predecessors, you know, the very young, the younger millennials and especially Gen Z, you know, they grow up grew up in the post nine eleven, right? The Great Recession school shooting drills becoming a part of their reality changes in public education Um, I think because of the Great Recession and the change in education, they're they're, they're more financially astute. And they look to be more frugal and and more inclined to save money and make sure they can pay for things, which is great. Um, They've also, I think, more because of kind of the tumultuous environment that they grew up in. And this is a generational thing. I'm not saying any one individual or group. Right. But, you know, I think they're more and I, I admire this they're more willing to raise the flag with mental health. You know, yeah. hey, I'm struggling. I'm having a rough having a rough time. And they're they're more willing to admit that. They're more willing to normalize that. And I think that's admirable. They're also more, you know, they have just kind of this hardwired expectation of diversity and openness, which again I think is admirable. The mental health piece that that sometimes I struggle with is I think uh, a lot of us are getting better at raising the flag Hey, I'm struggling here. I don't know that that a lot of us are better at knowing how to cope and how to move on through it.
0: Gotcha. Uh, we have the awareness of it, yeah. But not necessarily,
1: the yeah. And, and this is something that I try to help students with. Again, I'm far from an expert, but hey, you know, this is a this is a sucky situation, and yeah, you may need to take some time and reset and rest, and that's great. But eventually, we've got to, you know, we've still got to find a way. To work through this and to change our habits and still, you know, get get the work done, or you know, completely, you know, get withdraw and get the the help that we need. So I sometimes that frustrates me. But and again, I'm the same way. I don't always know what to do. But one of the things that I try to do through some of these self care strategies and and things is uh, and just trying to be generally empathetic is helps help help younger professionals and older professionals. Figure out okay, how do we keep going in a healthy way? And a lot yeah. of times, you know, again, goes back to some of the things we've talked about. What can I control? What are some small things I can do? Maybe I need to do some bigger things. But how do we figure out a plan so that we can keep, you know, we can keep navigating and 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 hopefully, in most cases, you know, functioning successfully.
0: Right. So almost um, being able to to change. The trajectory without like you know quitting. So I'm thinking of our students like you know maybe adjusting your expectations that you don't always have to be the Mm 4.0. Maybe this semester you're dealing with some things where maybe you're going to be a B student and being okay with that, but not going so far as to say that's it, I'm done. College is it for me? But accommodating for where you're at,
1: kind of learning that resilience.
0: Oh yes, Um, great word.
1: Yeah, learning you know learning how how to navigate. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it comes down to again, just reach out to, you know, either a peer or a supervisor, or an instructor that you trust, and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, can you know I'm really having a hard time. Can you help me?" Or, mm-hmm. "Hey, I may just need a little extra space and a little extra grace this week." And you know, in most cases, that's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, I think our our um, department may or may not be different than the majority of professors people might encounter, but. Especially in our department, I think that is a very uh, welcome comment from students, that we are supportive of them for noticing mm-hmm. that they have a need and supportive of, of helping them through it. So, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, and,
1: and, and I just try to, you know, offer, hey, I'm here. This is when I'm available, and if you need it, great. And, and you know, I, I even view it as if even one or two students feels like they can reach out, then that's great. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I do not I don't try to quantify any of it, but, you know, it's just – you know, find find that person that gets you or that has a you know a, a similar worldview, and, and see if they're willing. And I, I think in most cases, human nature, most humans are willing to help one another. And yeah. and, and again, sometimes you may have to you know we're, we're not always the greatest at follow up. We may have to bug people a little bit, but uh, I think in most cases. We're willing to help and, and and walk alongside others.
0: Assuming the best intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Just like what we talked about All earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, at the risk of, of embarrassing you, I will say that in my five years of being here, you're definitely one of the faculty that I have noticed. You have a really... Um, really intentional rapport and relationship with your students. And I do think that creating an environment in which they feel comfortable coming mm-hmm. to you is is difficult to do sometimes. And it's something that you do well. And it's something that I have looked to you and thought, oh, mm-hmm. I want to try to, you know, add more of this. I want to try to do more things like what Eric does here. So um, I would applaud you because I do mm-hmm. think, you know, it it's not easy. Um, and it's a big help to students to have mm-hmm. someone like you who they feel comfortable Bringing you know the the scary stuff, the hard stuff, the tense stuff, whatever, um, bringing that to you, uh, and it's not a part of your job description. You don't technically mm. have to do that. That's something you do because you're a decent human being. <laughs> I try <you> know? anyway.
1: <laughs> um, no, thank you. That that that's that's humbling, and that that means a lot. Um, you know, I think a lot of it, we've talked quite a bit about our department, which wasn't really what I planned to talk about today, but I think that's all right.
0: Yeah, it comes um,
1: up. <laughs> the culture that's here, and, and I think that we've just had some great models. Um, uh, I'll just give a shout out to a couple of our, our colleagues who are sadly no longer with us, but Les Anderson, who's 100%,
0: yes. um,
1: who you and I both knew. Uh, had, had, I had him as a professor and was Same. able to work with him for a couple years, which was just an incredible experience. Just one of the most humble Individuals that that I've ever met, a great teacher, really high expectations, knew how to push people. But again, he was also open. He was a journalist. He was an, yeah. a hardcore old school journalist. But he realized, hey, you know, advertise. This advertising thing is becoming integrated and public relations. So. Uh, I took my advertising copywriting class from the journalism professor, and mm-hmm. it was great. And, you know, he was, you know, yes, he had expectations, but his office door was always open. I don't know how the man got any work done, because people were always in his office. And uh, I, I do know, he, I heard stories about him grading papers on road trips with his wife and things. I do oh, know wow. how he got the work done. <laughs> um, but he also made time every day to go have coffee with his friends uh, at, at the farmers co op in the town where he lived. Oh, and, I love and that! Things. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, just uh, so just trying that that open door policy. Another is is the late Dan Close who passed yes. away here just recently. And again, Dan had his his door was, was was open most of the time, and I wish I had said yes more. To he'd send emails. You probably got the emails. Hey, anybody want to go to lunch to the mm-hmm. faculty? And I wish I'd said yes to that a few more times. And just. You know, making time to connect and build those connections, and I think that's just been modeled. And we've had, you know, again, uh, great leaders here who have supported that. Uh, but again, I think just kind of the pay it forward. Sandy Sipes is another one. Just mm-hmm. Sandy's helped me through some really challenging situations. We started teaching full time here the same at the same time, so it's just been cool to have that that peer uh, to go through things together. And and again, just kind of doing those little, little things. And, and, and there are many, many others that I'm leaving out, but I think just trying to, it's been modeled well for us. And and I think one of those really unique things about the culture here at the Elliott school.
0: Yeah, I, I think all of us, well, there's so many of us that came through the program and now teach here, and uh, and 100%, I mean, I remember having Kevin Hager as my instructor in undergrad. That's another then, great one. Yeah, and he wrote reference letters for me for you know a decade or more in between, and then was on you know my committee for coming back here and has supported me nonstop in the five years I've been here, and... Uh, yeah, it's definitely not just a, they teach you one semester and that's it, you mm-hmm. know, or Lisa Parcell, who was my grad advisor. Yes. And then, you know, I, I remember her looking through my um, my application materials for this job, because I was terrified. I was like, Lisa, please help me know how to write a CV. And so the support has is so just, it never stops.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, and we're a, f- I, I like to say we're a right-sized department. We're not huge, we're also mm-hmm. not tiny. You know, it's a small enough faculty that you get to know each other and and yes, and and students will generally, you know, have a couple of classes with most of us. Right, right. That's another thing that's... Uh, I think helpful, um, you know, and you know, and the, the students kind of know where the hangout spaces are. And yeah. I think we've just kind of built. When I was meeting with with our high school students that would come in on campus visits, I'm one of my talking points was, you know, you in most cases are not going to get your head chewed off for knocking on a door outside of someone's posted office hours. If we're here, yeah. in most cases, we're we're going to be happy to to help you answer yeah. a question. Uh, and again, I think that's just one of the, the pl- things that's made this place really special is just how that culture has has developed over many many years.
0: I agree, hundred percent. So if you're listening and you're looking for a place to go to college and you want to get into communication, let me and Eric know because we will help you out. We love this place. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Eric, you know we've talked for a long time and we've kind of covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that you feel like we've missed or glossed over that you would like to talk a little bit more about before we kind of close up today.
1: I think I'll just uh, so I use this in my talks uh, when i'm I'm doing talks for professionals. Uh, there are two things um, that that have really helped me. One of them uh, came from my wife, um, who is the best person that I know and have been <laughs> fortunate enough to to be associated with for over 20 years now. Uh, what can I be grateful for today? What is one thing I can be grateful for? It may be a very frustrating day, but, hey, I've got a comfortable chair to sit down and do this project I don't want to do in. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, it's really hot out. My air conditioner is working great. Uh, or, you know, whatever the case. And we, we do that with our kids. Hey, what is one thing that, you know, hey, I know you're not loving what, sh- what we're asking you to do, which is emptying the dishwasher or whatever the case may be. But what is one one thing we can be grateful for? So the first thing I think is gratitude, and the second comes from my favorite band of all time, that being the Beatles. Nice. Uh, In the immortal words of Paul McCartney, "Let it be." Uh, Again, trying to let those things. There will be an answer. Let it be. I won't sing because that'll tank the numbers of your podcast listenership, (laughs) Jessica. But um, I, you know, I think just again, and I think "Let it be" encapsulates a lot. You know, things are going to happen. What can we control? and how can we prepare ourselves to let it be in 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 the most healthy way possible.
0: Awesome. What a what a great ender. And and thank you for coming because you know, I know you. I have known you for many years now, but one of my favorite things so far about doing the podcast is getting to have these longer in-depth conversations with people because I've learned a ton. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's amazing how how little you get to have really good in-depth conversations and you don't necessarily realize that. So yeah. it's been an absolute honor and a privilege and I'm, I'm thankful
1: for you. Yeah, same. I, I've enjoyed the, the conversation. You've asked some great questions and uh, and I hope this can be uh, something that will be helpful for, for someone.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much,
1: Eric. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>
0: thanks so much for listening today. I hope that after listening to this episode, all of you can, you know, go about the rest of your day and choose to do something intentionally to take care of yourself and show yourself just a little bit of compassion. I'll see you next week right here on Create Space.